Hello and welcome to Affable Chat. My name is Benjamin and this is my co-host Joey. Hey, how's it going? And today we're talking about equilibrium. Vice Council, this man is guilty of consorting with sense offenders, of having relations with a female, of sense crime itself. Dispatch a search team to the clerics' quarters to search for unused prisoners. That won't be necessary, sir. If you'll run the trace record on his sidearm, you will find that it was he who was with the sweeper team when they were murdered. This is an American science fiction dystopian action drama. Directed by Kurt Wimmer. The cast includes Patrick Bateman, Boromir, Delta Sergeant First Class Jeff Sanderson, Jeff Denlin, Benjamin Coffin III, Lena Leonard, Saddam Hussein, and Heatwave. I watched this movie on Pluto TV with ads for free. Joey, how did you watch this film? I I also clicked on the Pluto TV icon once I looked up Equilibrium. And then as soon as the first ad came up, I'm like, I'm not doing this. I love this movie. I'm going to buy it on YouTube. (laughs) So I spent $14. uh, Now I own this movie. Wow. I am usually against watching with ads, but I was watching this. I started this movie on my lunch break at work and I got through like the first 20 minutes with no ads and then it hit me with the ads, but I was like, ah, I'm going back to work anyways. And then when I got home, my ad blocker was able to block most of the ads. It was weird. Oh, interesting. It showed like, I'm not kidding, like four minutes of ads when I was watching it on my phone, but it only would show like 30 seconds of ads on the computer. So it, it wasn't enough. My tolerance for ads uh, was enough to get me through the movie. Although I, I will say every time an ad came on, I would turn the volume to zero and look at my phone <laughs> until it was time to look back. So I don't the know true, what they're advertising. Yeah, the true a consumer, like the only protection, honestly, <laughs> is, to look, is to look at your, what they call your primary screen, which is your phone. The secondary screen <laughs> is the television. Right. I was like, I can't look at these ads that Pluto TV is showing me. I need to see the ads on Instagram. I need to see the ads on my phone. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> okay well before we begin our analysis of this film we will succinctly summarize the events in our special 60 second synopsis if you'd like to skip the synopsis just scrub ahead 60 seconds right now from the ashes of the third world war rose libria libria is a stark fascist hierarchy that has solved weakness in its citizens by eradicating human emotion Their best tool for the task is the Tetragrammaton clerics, and their best cleric is John Preston. After discovering his partner is a sense offender, aka feeling stuff, Preston coldly executes him. But soon after he misses his regular dose of prosium, the emotion-suppressing drug all Librians are required to take, feeling for the first time, Preston discovers a new world. But it soon starts to affect his work. He even kills several lower-ranking Librian officers to protect his secret. Preston seeks out the underground resistance, and after a test, they recruit him for the ultimate task, Kill Father, the political and spiritual leader of Libria. After proving his worth, Preston is granted an audience with the face of his nation. But it is a trap. They knew he was feeling things and used him to lead them to the resistance. But Preston won't go down easy. Using his badass cleric skills, he kills everyone at the top of the hierarchy and triggers a meltdown of order in Libria. 
all are finally free to feel. The end. There you have it. The events of Equilibrium will begin our conversation with our pros and cons. Joey, what did you like about Equilibrium? Basically, the entirety of this movie, its premise, its tone, its message, all of it rests completely on one person, and that's Christian Bale. (laughs) And I think he pulls it off completely. He's amazing. Absolutely, like again, solidifying his his uh, legacy at, or his uh, role or um, his position as my favorite actor. Christian Bale is incredible. He's amazing in this movie, uh, and that alone is enough to to for you to watch it. Um, I, has some really cool camera tricks, really cool coloring, um, some really awesome fight scenes and gun action. I freaking love Gun Kata. I think it looks freaking awesome, even though it was invented by Kurt Wimmer in his backyard. I, it doesn't make any sense. It's it's like why would it make sense that you would stand in the middle of guys with guns and and then you could shoot them better than they could shoot you? No, doesn't matter. It's awesome watching him shoot these guys with the guns and move around in circles and all that stuff. Um, and I. I think if you're open to it this movie is rich with metaphor and meaning uh and that's something that i really took away from it this time what about you i agree with you christian bale is the best actor not just in this movie but ever in all movies <laughs> he's got the title and yep. this movie is just another example of it where you can just rely on him to be your lead man and be incredible at showing no emotion at showing a lot of emotion he is everything so I really enjoyed seeing him in this film. I also enjoy this movie's attempts to be visually compelling. I think it sometimes works better than other times, but it the effort is always there, and I applaud that kind of effort. There's a lot of ambitious camera angles, a lot of putting the camera in places you wouldn't expect or even messing with your perception. The part where uh, you know Tay Diggs is about to shoot the uh that woman after they find her stash of stuff and the camera shows the gun but then it twists down and you see that the gun is actually pushed up it's like oh that's awesome it's a creative (laughs) way to use the camera angle that's just one example there's tons of ambitious stuff in this film uh, that i think is great sometimes comes across cheesy but i i just i love the intention and that first gun katas sequence is genuinely jaw-dropping like that had me so stoked on this film as soon as it, they got to that i was like whoa this is different there's a there's a lot of comparisons of this movie to the matrix and even though that that is reminiscent of the first scene of the matrix where uh, trinity enters that room and like stops in, in in midair even though that's similar i think that was like okay we can be badass in our own way and we're not the matrix just because we're being badass like they don't have the trademark on just because we dress badassery. in black and have guns yes know? Yeah, and I do think there's a lot of this that is like, okay, this movie really wants to be the Matrix, but I think they set themselves apart with that particular gun katas uh, sequence. So I, that was another thing I really liked. So those are our pros. Let's move on to our cons. Joey, what did you not like about Equilibrium? Uh, I would say basically none of it makes sense. <laughs> the ending <laughs> makes no sense. Libria as a concept makes no sense. Um, it definitely could and should have gone in a totally different uh, direction for its like double or triple twist ending that it attempts to do. Um, it would have made way more sense if the resistance was also a part of the... Um, of libria of like the society right that they were engineering um opposition for them to fight like how do they get all these guns and where do they get all this stuff from it's it's because libria is funding them secretly so they can maintain war to maintain control of their citizens like that makes way more sense as a 
as a concept than like, <laughs> oh, like I was <laughs> I was holding your gun, I think. Like, but that didn't even happen earlier. And then like, but he was in on it the whole time, actually. And that, <laughs> that whole thing was all just a, a play for, for Preston's uh, standpoint. And then he gets, and then there's all these like oh, lame payoffs right at the end where they like double talk, uh, whatever. Anyway, <laughs> it doesn't matter. I think it's really, I think the movie's fun enough for me that I don't care that, that like it falls apart at the end. So anyway, what about you? I don't think this movie commits hard enough to the concept of emotionless, uh, emotionlessness. The general populace covers this pretty well, but I think that our characters that are on Prosium aren't... I, I was looking for the neutral planet from Futurama type sure. emotionlessness, which I think would have been interesting as opposed to just kind of general complacency. I, I understand being conformist, but that's to me not the same as being emotionless. So I felt like they missed an opportunity to to do something creative there. Also, having Invincible Gunman go bulletproof mode and solve our conceptual issue, which is whether or not emotion is good for humanity, is really unsatisfying to me. <laughs> it's like, that's as cool as Gun Katas can be. I did not love that the solution to the problem was just, I'm going to kill everyone. So that, that was not my favorite. Lots, like you said, lots of things in this movie just don't make any sense. I love that first gun kata sequence, but I think a lot of the action in this movie is actually really silly and kind of unserious. the The fact that the director came up with gun katas in his backyard running around is hilarious because when I saw gun katas being used, especially in that last sequence, I was like, "This is what I looked like as a kid." after i'd watch a movie like this and i'd run around and pretend that i'm shooting a bunch of people no regard for realism or even looking that cool i was just like yeah pulling the trigger and going in all different directions so i thought that was a little silly a little unserious and fun but also kind of made me roll my eyes and finally this movie is chocked full of potential and I feel like they left a lot on the table, which is disappointing because, you know, this, this movie is standing on the shoulders of giants. You've got a lot of 1984 in here. You've got a lot of Fahrenheit 451 or whatever. Is that, is that the number? Yeah, that's right. <laughs> yeah. And I didn't, I actually didn't read that one in school. I read Brave New World, uh, which is also somewhat in this film. And I feel like those movies or movies, those books focus way more on something that seems tangible and applicable to humanity in a way that this movie kind of doesn't get as deep into which i think is a missed opportunity so those are our pros and cons we'll move on to our overall section and let me just say this movie has a very cool premise but miserable execution first of all these people are not emotionless enough prosium has this society living their lives in a totally conformist way so I would have expected everyone to be stone-faced and emotionless at all times. But that's not what we see, at least not from some. Rage, pride, ambition. These are all displayed by Brant and DuPont, but no one bats an eye. Why not? They're feeling things, aren't they? Like, do you have a, a response to that? I mean, is that intentional? Yeah, absolutely. So, so I think that one of the brilliant things about this movie is that you don't really know what someone who is emotionalist is supposed to look like you have christian bale 
on screen, like, you know, being the guy, right? And you're like, okay, this is the baseline or something. But even he has some sort of, there's like little flickers of things, right? And there's like, like little bits of like doubt or, or suspicion, right? And it's like, what exactly is an emotion here? And then when these guys show up and they're like, you know, <laughs> emoting and smiling and things, it's like, and, and nobody seems to care. It's like, well, am I missing something here? Like, what? Like, why is no one else noticing what I'm noticing? And is that an emotion that he's displaying or is it not? I think it's constantly making you question yourself about whether or not this person is uh, like conforming in the way that everyone else is or they aren't. And then by the end, when you find out that they aren't conforming to it, 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 it puts the... Uh, it reframes the whole idea of what emotion is and and like emotion in this society becomes this privilege that only certain people are allowed to enjoy. And it's like, Oh, well everyone else will succumb to my, um, you know, to, to base emotions. But I, as you know, King of this world don't have to conform to this because I am better than all of them. Right. Uh, I I am uh, I rise above uh, these uh, the common people. The other the common people can't afford emotions, but but I certainly can. And and when you see that, it also uh, like kind of puts a lot of things into perspective. For example, why does Libria have propaganda? <laughs> <laughs> like the it's it's like oh we are an emotionalist logic you know logic based society, and yet we're always like displaying like uh, you know what like what you guys should be thinking and like making all these calls to emotion about what what's going on right having like this this fabled figurehead of father like and and like believing that his immortality is more valuable than like uh, the uh the strength of the entire society like that's an entirely emotion based decision that's a decision based on like oh people are going to be emotionally invested in this guy you know what i mean and then when he's a uh, we even see this when there's a breakdown in the law, right? Um, the the vice counsel is like, the father says that uh, we don't care about due process anymore, and and you see um, uh, Preston being like, oh, we uh, uh, that's not the law. That's not what we should be, should be doing, right? We should be doing. We should be following the letter of the law, and uh, and vice counsel is like. Uh, I am the law, right? Uh, the father is the law. What he says goes, and what I need from you is faith, right? where is that coming from that's not a logic based you know emotionless decision and yet this is already seeping in from the top level down and because they they uh, uh they, they aren't even not even uh conforming to this problem i think it's it's a symbol of the contradiction of fascism that is clearly on display here right we have a totalitarian a uh, uh, regime that is attempting to control its populace but those controls are a oppression that is not extended to the people at the top of the hierarchy. And all of the political rhetoric that you hear about like the uselessness of emotion um, is just that, only rhetoric. And it is uh, not, uh, uh, it can be, you know, overcome or superseded by the people at the very top who end up making the rules. But who are the people at the top? As far as we see in this film, there is a person, DuPont, who's at the top, who's not using prosium. But right. it, it's, I've, I guess it's hard to peer into his mind to know what his motivation is for that. Does he love power? Maybe. Is he behind the scenes enjoying the decadence of art? 
on but and he's hoarding it all to himself what what is the point of him forcing this onto the society if he doesn't have some sort of belief that this is what's best or at the very least best for him uh that's you know that's not put out there i get that you can be like hey totalitarianism bad fascism bad but <laughs> what where is that coming from where like i i guess you can just say oh it's contradictory and weird but i'm not understanding how dupont fits into that picture besides just being kind of like the buffoon at at the top um i i don't think there's a really good answer to this uh, you know i think that this is one of the movie's flaws is that there isn't really a monologue at the end for dupont right for an explanation for all the, the mysteries that were uh, kind of revealed at the end uh, like the twist feels very haphazard and stitched together at the last minute and this is part of that the, because up to this point we there were there were clues that you know the people at the the people making the rules were uh not conforming to the same rules as everyone else but uh, it easily could have been twisted into a different way right i think that ultimately it's only a symbol of the uh of um hypocrisy and it is and, and nothing more than that and uh, that is a that is possible to display with a single person, um, even though it would be more effective if there was actually a council, right? And, and none of them were doing it, and there was some sort of explanation, you know, some sort of like, uh, yeah, a, a thesis from our villains that uh, kind of tied everything together. But we don't get that. So yeah, and I feel like it would be at least more satisfying if there was some sort of. You know, the, the, those elite actually are anti-emotion because they f- fail to see the beauty in emotion. They fail to see right. that feeling. One or the other. Right? right. Instead of being like, oh, I secretly want, like, do get to enjoy that, but I'm not really going to use that as motivation or, or ex- explain that explicitly. Because another satisfying way you could handle this situation is that by feeling, by tapping into the emotional side of life that is what it enables them to defeat dupont right if he was some emotionless calculating villain who's not able to see the beauty in some thing right and that ends up being his downfall then that's poetic now we have a reason why this movie says hey what if emotion was totally gone that would be bad here's why instead it's like wouldn't it suck if emotion was gone yeah because you wouldn't enjoy music as much and everybody would be boring and you would incinerate your wife and not feel anything but that's why we have to shoot fascists (laughs) right it's like those two things to me are kind of disconnected even though they're like tied together at least in, in the way this movie uh portrays this society no, I, I think I think that makes sense, and uh, yeah, I uh, I think there is a little bit of a, that catharsis because we do see um, Preston hesitate before he kills Dupont, right? But then he gets that flash of Mary, which of course it reminds him of his own failure to protect his wife, and uh, he decides to react in in what you might say is anger, right? Um, but yeah, I that's like something that's like a that's another interesting element of this movie that I think is not exactly uh fleshed out enough which is how the resistance sees emotion right and how they're like in order to infiltrate the society right in order to be effective leaders uh some people in our in our collective have um elected to keep taking prosium right to be you know to to blend in more but also to like be the one making decisions um 
so that you're not jeopardizing the mission in favor of a single person or a single thing. You are, you know, uh, in you're doing, we're fulfilling what the um, the the promise of Prosium, which is you are a rational, a purely irrational actor, right? Um, but we don't see uh, we don't see the other side of that, the value of emotion and how that could be a, the uh, the thing that overcomes this this whole thing. I um, personally, I I think the ending of this movie, like despite all the plot holes and lack of catharsis is really amazing just because we get to see christian bale come in there and just like cathartically slice up all the bad guys right <laughs> he shows up with and he's like uh he, he sits down at the polygraph and they're like we've got you preston and then he has guns on him that they didn't even know <laughs> even though it's like part of like the uniform and then he shoots all those guys and then he goes into the other room and he slices all of them up with uh, with the sword they all stand within uh, within sword reaching like length of him even though they have these swords that are like yeah. like twice as long as their arms so they can easily just like stand so that they could cut him instead of him but he's like they all stand so close that he can easily reach any of their swords <laughs> Um, and then, like, yeah, then he slices off uh, uh, Tay Diggs' face, which is just awesome. Uh, That's iconic. I, 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 and then you can see his face on the ground when yeah. they like do the above <laughs> shot of all the carnage. Hilarious. It's great. And then he has that whole fight with Dupont, which is like, where did that come from? Like, he was also a gun kata guy. Okay, and they were like but, shooting each other the, back and the forth. The thing where they're like, like hitting each other's hands and they have their pistols is like, if either one of us takes one step backwards, we can just shoot each other. But instead, we're like going to like swat each other's hands a thousand times and not point our guns at each other. That to me was an example of like the like what is going on here with this action like this might sound cool as a concept or on the storyboard but in execution yeah well the camera is spinning around it's cool you can tell (laughs) um yeah i i think that all of that is so like it's just so much fun to watch regardless of like i think i think the action like holds up in terms of just like the pure energy of it right there's not a there's there's a lot of quick cuts there's a lot of like you know quick movements and and uh you know like fancy like twirling around and stuff which i think makes it fun and it doesn't but it doesn't like um it's the uh, it's the it's one part of the venn diagram that uh john wick does so well yes right yes where john wick is both like this is a very effective realistic like um you know fighting style and then it's also really cool to watch right this is just cool to watch (laughs) but that is still enough for me you know and at this point in the movie again we've got the this is the third act you know as we learned in adaptation the third act doesn't have to have any sort of uh coherence to it all it has to be is (laughs) the 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 loop the loop at the end of the roller coaster you're like hell yeah dude slice those guys up you know (laughs) shoot them all come on christian bale and then like you know as soon as you're done watching the movie you get up and you start doing your own good good kata moves you know in your living room you're like you're never no one can survive me i'm so badass (laughs) yeah i mean if maybe if i watch this movie on a day where maybe i've got more caffeine in my system or something else like i can definitely see getting on board with the the action there are parts of it that i genuinely thought were great the breaking of like the arm of one of the guards that he did where it was just completely just shattered in half and the way that all of the guards that wore helmets how when they would get shot in the face 
their face mask would shatter into a million pieces, almost oh, like yeah. glitter. I thought that was really cool. And even the like standing in the middle of six different dudes and somehow beating them all up at the same time <laughs> with your your guns with like the nubs at the bottom. All great stuff. I love that dude. It's so great. He kills him so fast. They can't even have time to fall down, and they all fall down at the same time. Classic. Uh, and like, um, oh man, when he when he uh, when he like uh, he's leading those resistance guys away, and then he stands in front of the door, and he's like looking down, and then like they get an information around him, and they're like, "What's going on? What's going on?" And he's like, "I'm gonna kill you all." <laughs> and he like pulls out the yeah, he pulls out the gun thing, like like what I don't even know what, the, what you call those. The butt of the guns have like little like nails or something in the bottom of them that retract or or. You know, no explanation then, necessary you know they're for no, hitting yeah and not, not to mention that like motorcycle helmets have terrible peripheral vision <laughs> <laughs> like just like not the best uniform necessarily but it, do, it looks great it looks great and and uh, stylistically this movie uh has a lot going for it right so. i have appreciation for this kind of fighting style in the same way that i have appreciation for mighty Morphin power rangers fighting sequences where it's just meant to be like hey isn't this badass don't think about it too hard we're just going for badassery oh oh i i would be remiss to if i failed to mention the two shotguns that got pointed at him at the same time where he spins them at the same time and then the camera is at the end of the gun and you see it line up at their face and they're like oh shit you know and they know (laughs) that they're dead before they are dead oh man that was bad yeah then he then he cocks both of them just by like pulling back and he's like has that that that, like dutch angle like like below him it's like with like the the light the spotlight behind his head uh it's awesome it's just freaking fun i i yeah so i'm like 50 50 there are 50 percent of the action sequences where i'm rolling my eyes i'm like this sucks this is ridiculous and then the other half i'm like that was awesome and i'm glad that i sat through the other stuff to see it so um you know i'll I'll take that that's where i'll leave it but i guess just to go back to another opportunity for catharsis the and also a similarity to john wick is including dogs in this movie (laughs) uh yeah dude like this movie is I feel like it uses cliches in a way that's like kind of quaint in a way, right? <laughs> it's like, okay, we got the dogs here. Like, this is how you know these are the bad guys, right? <laughs> they don't even know what dogs are for. And then like when he's trying to like, he's in the nether, right, region and he's uh, he's got the dog in the trunk. And then like as soon as, soon as they put the spotlight on him, he's like petting the dogs. Like, this is how you know this is this is this place is wrong because it's illegal to pet dogs like this is and then like of course like the dog is fine and like even though he's killing all these guys like indiscriminately with the, with like all his uh his fancy gun moves and he's, he bends down and picks up the puppy it's just like um you know having your hero step in to save you know a helpless animal a cute helpless animal is just like the ultimate way to ingratiate him in your eyes and it's it's cheap emotional like manipulation right and that's like my biggest takeaway from this movie is that it doesn't matter right the lot don't be so bogged down in the logic of it like it's all it's all about the like the fun of it it's all about the emotion uh that's that's at play here well i don't even know if it's that cheap because i feel like having a sequence in your movie where a bunch of puppies get gunned down is, yeah. is a risk there are people sure. who will see that it in is off screen like, though i'm going to i can't watch this anymore but i think it opens the door for a potential ending where it's this embrace of nature that 
is what enables them to defeat the fascists. It's because we love dogs, and then maybe like a ah. horde of dogs come in and bite Dupont on the nuts, and then that's how they <laughs> they defeat him or something like that. I think you could you could literally just have that happen, right? It's like you're you're. Uh, we under arrest we double crossed you it would make and just then, as much sense as having the dog under his kitchen table at the end of the movie so right you know, oh like, yeah that didn't make any sense at all they searched his house <laughs> like they were all the guys were just there like you know tearing the place apart looking for you know uh, looking for uh him skipping his dose the skip doses or whatever and there just happens to be a dog there as well well i did i do appreciate how brutal they were with stuff like that if you're emotionless you're capable of some pretty gnarly stuff like killing dogs or killing just people without hesitation who are yep. you know criminals or whatever and preston you know incinerating his own wife essentially he didn't do it but he was there and he felt nothing that was wild i felt something from that <laughs> but that brings in having a wife brings like a, another like question is if you're in a totalitarian society wouldn't it be better to not have wives like why is marriage a thing if nobody can feel anything how would you even select your wife if you have no emotions right I mean, that's a, yes that's a good question why would you have children live with their parents if they didn't have like a feeling of fraternal bond? You're this is a poorly run society because you're just asking for someone to miss a dose and start plotting against the government. Well, Who are they going to team this, up with why, faster than their do, kids? Why is the prosium doses <laughs> reliant on everyone following a schedule? <laughs> Yeah. Or not just put that in the water or in the food, you know? <laughs> people rely like you know people very reliable about showing up on time and and doing something every day, you know? That's that's a, that's the thing that people are really good at. And and injecting themselves. <laughs> like yeah, they couldn't have to stop and the- inject themselves at the same time. Yeah, like that's that <laughs> is a terrible system. But like I like that's the thing is like I just don't think that's like the point at all, right? It feels like it feels like it's thought through to a point of just like we're showing the oppression, but it's not like like a pre a prequel to this movie would be even more nonsensical. It's like who set up the system and who decided <laughs> this would be a good idea? Like name one person that like when you propose to them, oh, there should be no emotion. Be like, yeah, that's right. I think there should be no emotion, but nobody thinks that. I'm thinking we should structure society around everyone having no emotion. What do you think? I don't feel strongly one way or the other. <laughs> perfect. You're yeah. a perfect guy for it. <laughs> yeah. And I mean, I guess I can continue spiraling here. There's probably no point. But like, the, if this movie did want to be more serious, I think it would be really interesting to see something like what Brave New World had in in that book where humans are more or less manufactured. Now yeah. that's emotionless. To take the miracle of birth and turn it into manufacturing process that yeah that that would make me feel pretty emotional and then you could inject the drugs into the babies and maybe that could be kind of this deadline you have to meet yeah, yeah. because the next generation will be born with prosium already in their system or some sort of implant that makes it eternal or something like that where you're never getting them back they're going right. to be emotionless forever so you, we need, there's some urgency to our conflict here. That's a good so, idea. Mm, I really like that. <laughs> I, that's what I'm saying. There's so much here. <laughs> so it's, it's not that what we got is terrible. It's that 
it could have been so much better because they, they did so much work to get it almost there. It's easy for me to, to do, get the layup and be like, what if you added <laughs> this? But it's it just disappointing because they already did so much. So, yeah, so, so talking about the double crossing, let's, let's get into that a little bit. Okay. So was it all part of the plan from Father and DuPont to have specifically Preston be the one who is part of the the you know resistance yeah, yeah, yeah. destruction did they want him to stop taking prosium or was that just a happenstance that they capitalized on my fear my theory is that the real person that was at the center of this was uh, Sean Bean whoa he was the uh he was like the resistance plant he was in contact with the resistance he was a high level cleric he was exactly the guy that they were looking for. And then Preston figured it out before they had a chance to like, put it in place. Um, because there is nothing in this movie that indicates that like, Preston has been manipulated into not taking his dose. Right, right. right. The only thing I can think of is, I guess he, doesn't, he goes to equilibrium and then um, he doesn't get a dosage there. And then Tay Diggs picks him up right, and acts as if he's gotten the dose. Right. So like maybe that maybe like all of that was coordinated, but like you would have to have not taken it in the first place, which was completely random. You know, there was nothing about that that like was in that was indicated or revealed later to be a part of the plan. You know, right? Then I guess it makes it a little more forgiving that they ended up going with it because they could have noticed. Oh, he's he's feeling. He's not taking his drugs. Let's see if we can use this to uncover the resistance because. In the end, you realize that the oversight from that decision was, whoops, shouldn't have turned my best weapon into my enemy. <laughs> because Seriously. he was known as the best, and yeah. he just ends up, and that ends up being the thing that defeats them, is that nobody has better gun katas than Preston. So th- it was a very terrible choice to lean into him not taking the prosium. I mean, you got to ask yourself what would have happened if they were like, hey, we know you're not taking prosium, and then just like jabbed him in the neck, you know, and then, then just moved on with their lives. Because <laughs> the resistance would probably still exist, but they seem to be doing a pretty good job of handling those guys. So yeah. I-, I don't know. I think Preston overplayed his hand on this one. But whatever. He's a buffoon. I, I guess I don't really have a problem with that. I was I was hoping you were going to tell me that there it was a way that they orchestrated this in the beginning, but I think you're right. It just happened that way, and then they they chose to use him once they realized the situation. I have to like I have to double check this, but so when he um when he shows up there with Tay Diggs and Tay Diggs is like, um I've caught the man right here he is you know, and Preston's like, actually. Uh, it was Tay Diggs that was shot all those guys, right? Um, you can tell because uh, it was his gun that was used, not my gun. And, um, uh, but the crimes that he is accusing Tay Diggs of doing, um, he didn't switch guns with him until after he did those crimes. Is that right? Yeah, no, no. Okay, uh, at least on uh, Wikipedia. It says that on a different raid, a large following of underground is found in a group of buildings. A press decides to take a risk by leading underground members out of the building. He accidentally yep. leads them into a room where Brant and exterminators are waiting. That's when they switch guns. And then on another raid, loud dogs are discovered. And then later, Preston tries to smuggle a dog into the nether by hiding in his car trunk. And that's where he kills people. Yeah, but those are happening in the other in opposite order. 
The dog one happens at, uh, at an earlier point. Yeah, definitely. The dog, the, he kills all those guys to save the dog at, 50, at 48 minutes. He, um, doesn't kill, he switches guns with, uh, with, uh, Tay Diggs at, um, one hour, two minutes. Wow. <laughs> That's kind of a big <laughs> plot hole. <laughs> Yeah, there you go. So, um, it doesn't make any sense, is what I'm trying to say. None of it makes any sense. Well, it wasn't it's, even that rock solid of a twist anyways. No, it wasn't. <laughs> it wasn't even given, even saying that they were, if we were to re-edit this movie so that those two events happened in the right order, um, you would still wouldn't have a, you, you still wouldn't make any sense. <laughs> okay, well, <laughs> yeah, it, it, it uh it felt ham fisted to me anyways, and this doesn't help. So uh anyways, moving on. Let's talk about Preston's discovery of emotion and okay. the movie's portrayal of what that is. Because having Preston's awakening feature things like listening to Beethoven and being overcome with how beautiful the music is. I loved that scene where you're looking up at the snow globe and he drops it. Yeah. That's awesome. The kind of the chaos, the explosion as it hits the ground, I thought was great. But I wish we got mo- even more of that. Looking out the window was also really good and seeing I love that part. That the, was awesome. the color, as yeah. it, especially because him uncovering the glass is very straightforward. I get <laughs> yeah, what you're getting me. Very, yeah, yeah, exactly. <laughs> <laughs> Which is fine. I, I love when they, you know, the message is clear, and I thought that came across really well. But I would love to have seen his inspiration take form in him creating his own art or his his own beautiful thing. Mm. We get this kind of him falling in love with O'Brien, the uh, uh, falling the in love with woman. your dead partner's wife is a cl- another classic cliche. <laughs> <laughs> Which, still, even if that was, like, his love interest, it was not very satisfying. How much better would it have been if he met someone out in the nether, and he has a chance to kill her, and he doesn't. Instead, he, like, goes back and visits her, and maybe, as much as I love, you know, focusing on dogs, maybe that ends up being the reason why they find him out there, and he has to kill people, right? Right, right. Or something like that, where his emotion leads him to actions that are for emotion's sake, not just for the resistance. Because you can say, oh, you want it's beautiful and art is great, and rearranging your desk is fun, but (laughs) I think this movie, again, just doesn't focus enough on emotion. I guess I just want it to. It just doesn't. It's saying the emotion is good. Hard stop. It would be nice to see him maybe paint a picture or write a poem, say something that is eloquent in a way that brings about more emotion right that's maybe he could even awaken others they can't ignore this the beauty of the things he's creating and he's only able to do that through emotion i think it's low-hanging fruit and unfortunately we just don't see it um yeah but okay i i think that the performance we get from christian bale here does enough to elicit this feeling though because he's watching him like discover emotion and like become um like kind of come to terms with what it is and and being overcome with by it in so many different instances not 
not recognizing what kind of regulation he needs to take and and not understanding exactly why he or what would affect him right being always being surprised when emotion uh, shows itself um I think is is really amazing uh, when he when he meets Mary for the first time and spins her around in the mirror and notices something about her right he's caught caught completely off guard the same thing with the sunrise right he he's his rea- his first reaction is to immediately start try to shoot himself up with prosium but then he he changes his mind because he realizes that he likes the way he feels or, or he's very curious about the way he feels all the little subtle um hand movements that you know uh that's such a great motif from this movie is showing how people's hands betray whether they are feeling emotion or not uh, there's that woman who's touching the railing. Um, you see Dupont, um, you know, feeling his desk, right? There's all these, uh, and then the, the the subtle touch between him and Mary. All of that is uh, like this brilliant show of how emotion manifests itself and how it's a, uh, uh, you know, it's it's this thing that's just kind of a part of us, but also like you never quite know where it's going to come from or even like what to do with it. Um, so like, I thought that this was a lot like him feeling these things for the first time or, or almost like, almost like a, uh, uh, a discovery or like a birth in a way where he is, he's not ready to express himself as much as he is just, uh, still feeling he's still in the throes of, a, a change of his uh, entire worldview. Um, so I, I felt like that was uh, more than enough to, to determine that. And personally, I feel like the gun kata stuff is its own form of art, right? And if, I th- if you want to be really charitable, you could say that the reason why he is the best is because he's so intuitive and he becomes even better uh, by the end because he unlocks um, his emotion. Uh, but, you know, that's a little bit of a stretch, I'd say. Sure, but I think <laughs> you, I'd be willing to give you that if you're willing to not require that of me. Uh, yeah, he is the <laughs> gun kata savant, uh, mm-hmm. far and away the best, uh, despite the, them teaching it allegedly to the other people who never use it back but, <laughs> <laughs> it's but, very specific it's a very specific use case but you're right i um as much as i do want to ask for more i do th- think they sufficiently cover the outpouring of emotion from preston especially the when he just breaks down after he sees o'brien get furnished yes which we need to talk about the furnace but let's focus on this for a second <laughs> Especially because this ends up being his, at that point, seeming downfall because he breaks down in front of Tay Diggs, who, of course, showing his own emotion is like, I told you I would make my career with you, which is shouting in the lobby and like kicking him like, look what I did. And he's like, he keeps like, who's going to be impressed by that? (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, nobody cares. (laughs) Oh, look, you did your job. I also did my job. I, do, I have a different job, but I did it just as well. You know, that's the whole point. So I, I but, uh, but Christian Bale is so good at doing both. Really, we needed yeah. an army of Christian Bales for this film because he's he got that great American psycho, I simply am not there, emotionless 
way of being he's like the way like at the very beginning of this movie when his, the way his face is so taut like it's so angular right and he just in the way his hair changes throughout the movie like it starts off so slick back and then it becomes like a little bit more messy like as it becomes as he like uh, becomes a little less in control of his own life um uh, i love that i think it's great right and then but he's also able to go to the other end of the spectrum you're able to witness that elation that ecstasy yeah. at feeling the highs of emotion and the the agony of feeling grief all there's that stuff other, is great so there's other movies like uh i'm thinking of ad astra and then after earth uh ad astra with brad pitt after earth with uh will smith um in which the actors are uh like canonically unemotional they're, they're they are uh, suppose, supposedly very very calm or you know they don't uh they don't emote um and this is like one of their uh signature attributes but then of course throughout the events of the movie they are uh so, so tested that they must um emote and, it sh- and it's supposed to show like a large range or like oh this is a this is a huge um moment and the reason why we know it's such a huge moment is because this guy had to travel such an emotional distance uh to arrive at this you know point of breakdown whereas someone else might uh uh, have broken down earlier or under less strenuous circumstances, right? Now, I think this movie is an exception to that because we see Bale come to terms with his emotions over and over again in more and more extreme ways throughout the movie, right? And there's all these moments where he has to fake not having emotions, right? He has to he has to say, "Oh, I I'm undercover now, and therefore I'm not going to uh, display this." And so this this the subtle, um, I'm not feeling anything, but I'm still worried, right? And you can tell by the look on his face, the subtle movements of his face muscles that he is suppressing something, right? But it's like only it's only uh, visible to you, the audience, and not to the other characters. Um, and yet you're like, oh wait, was that enough? Was that enough to flip up to slip up? You know, is that excuse good enough? Is is this is this is he going to get away with it this time? Do they really um, care if that dog has a disease? Yeah, exactly. <laughs> uh, all of that is like. Uh, um, it's such a, uh, it really like demonstrates such control and such uh, deftness uh, from the art. And I think it does it in a much better way than those other movies do, um, because it's something that we see, um, you know, not in a singular moment, but throughout the movie spread out evenly. And uh, I think that displays his range and talent in a much, um, much more complete way. Yeah. And I mean, this film is lauded for, having this progression of increasing the warmth of the colors and the saturation of the colors yes. where we start with this very gray and dull world almost black and white even if you look at the very beginning at the poster for this film that has both Tay Diggs and Christian Bale standing side by side in this black and white is kind of indicative of that beginning and then as we progress the colors and saturation increased until you get to the very end where it's these very bright colors for the the final fight scene i thought that was really cool i'll admit i didn't really like see it happening like uh, when i was watching i did not pick up on that and i i saw other people i was like ah that is clever i'm uh you know some of the subtleties maybe escaped me in this one but i did i do appreciate them using the medium as a way to kind of reinforce that theme yeah, I think it's. I think it works too. I I really do. I think that this movie becomes more and more 
like, you know, silly, more and more nonsensical, and it becomes more and more colorful. And I think that's, that's all part of it. It's all part of like the uh, progression, right? And it, it, it goes from this like cold logic to this like wacky, uh, <laughs> like uh, catharsis. And, um, I, I think that's, uh, I think it's wonderful because uh, I, 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 every time I watch this movie, I'm so along for the ride. I'm so like not just invested, but just like willing to suspend my disbelief to watch uh, Christian Bale kill guys. And um, <laughs> I just, I just love it. I just love it so much. I thought it was interesting that Prozium is basically Prozac plus Valium. Right. And I was wondering if this is supposed to be a commentary on people who use those drugs. I don't actually know what the stats are or anything like that, but I always hear people complain about these drugs, which like everyone you know is on, you know, big pharma's meth, like legalized meth that everybody's taking. You don't even know how many people that you walk among you that are just zombies on Prozac and, and Valium. And it made me think, what if instead of World War III, this society came about by people just voluntarily taking these drugs <laughs> until we all just became a emotionless monolith it's kind of like an idiocracy type thing right right it's either you go insane because your emotions and die off like all the emotional people are dead and all the emotionless people survived in this cruel society to the point where there, there's only them left and then we pull some mid-tier actor uh and send them to the future where they have emotions and that sets them apart from everybody else (laughs) that's hilarious uh yeah i don't know i don't know much about those drugs so i can't tell if they were just being like hey well this drug is basically two drugs that already exist so we'll just make a little goof that's how you that's how you name anything sci-fi is you take two things and you uh combine the words together and then it's a sci-fi thing so (laughs) (laughs) can you give me an example another example from something else um uh the first thing that comes to mind is red rising they have this um they have this uh uh material called dura glass which is basically just plexiglass or like Mm. glass but it's like it's durable glass, so <laughs> therefore it's future glass. Now this is science. Okay, <laughs> I got you. Okay, so I I mentioned the furnace earlier. I want to come back to it. Let yeah, I'm I'm burning to know what you have to ask me about <laughs> furnaces. Why is the furnace so complicated? Okay, <laughs> <laughs> it's at the end of an insanely long tunnel. Which yeah, what is that? Note, was that a, was that a particle accelerator? Like why was it like that? <laughs> side note. This society can build tunnels like this, but doesn't notice the whole ass society living under their feet. Just under the grates. Yeah, literally, like light can filter through. They're not that far underground. So there's that. And it it has like a chamber that fires off like a jet stream almost. Like it's it's like an engine exhaust. Turbines, yeah. And if you cut it off during countdown, it'll blast off on the surface level what what all the manholes will like um shoot upward uh at once who made this so complicated if you chose if you open the door um yeah why not just have them like close the door and be like why not just say yeah why not just say to him no like yeah the, uh, the the you know um Section four point seven five A says uh, once the doors are closed, they cannot be opened. Um, yeah, <laughs> she's already been processed. Um, her death certificate has already been signed. 
you know, something like that. Um, I don't know. Uh, it, it, <laughs> I have no answer to this. <laughs> yeah, no, I, I, don't, I, I don't need an answer at this point. I just want to point out how weird it was. <laughs> it's like these other things where they're like, yeah, we don't really need to think it all the way through. You know, we're just making a silly little movie here. Now, the furnace, we got to get all of the like thermodynamics. Yeah, yeah, there's a lot of reasons. There's reasons for that. I like to think that guy in, the, in like the pyromaniac suit was just making up stuff at the top, like on the spot. He's like, uh, oh, it goes to the surface. You open the door, it goes to the surface. It's the, that's where they put yeah, their least he, the, competent. The, the, that, he was, uh, it's like the Truman Show, right? Everyone in the society is in on it except for Preston. And they're all trying to get him to reveal where the, the resistance is. And Tay Diggs shows up five minutes before and he's like when he comes in here tell him that he can't open the door he's like why i don't know make something up (laughs) and (laughs) (laughs) i love that that's the reason now canonically for me (laughs) Uh, all right do you have anything else for the overall section oh yeah okay so i think this movie is uh has a really interesting thing like thoughts about emotion um two things specifically the first is that it let's just take for granted that libria is doing a perfect job of suppressing emotion right let's just say that prosium and the way that they're administering it is the best way to do it even though we've already come up with lots of ways that could be better but let's just say that they're doing they're doing a great job at this right um what uh, is clear is that or what, what what seems to be implied from this movie is that a repressing emotion is impossible. Um, suspicion, loneliness, even intuition seep through, even in the guys that are actually actively taking prosium, right? This is not even talking about the resistance who are actively feeling things. There's all of this, um, behind, there's all these things happening uh, already in the minds or, you know, in the bodies of these people that are taking prosium. And so the the act of um, taking it is uh, it doesn't seem to be doing what it's supposed to be doing. Or I think the other thing it's implying is that uh, emotion is so fundamental to the human experience that it's impossible to separate logic from emotion or uh, what emotions even are. Because if you completely erase those feelings, then what are you exactly left with? You know, are you just like a computer where you put in inputs and then outputs come out? Because I would argue that that's already the case. <laughs> so, like, it, I don't know what, like, it, I, I think that it's really interesting that emotion is displayed in this way as this irrepressible thing, right? That Preston, who is this staunch uh, defender of Libria, misses a single dose and ends up re- like regressing completely. That emotion is such a powerful and necessary, or or uh, you know, intuitive—not intuitive, but um, integral, inherent. Yeah, inherent part of human experience that um, it's impossible, or it quite it requires incredible effort to uh, cut it out. The other thing um, that's interesting about emotion in this movie is to think about. Um, you know, it's where it came when it came out in 2002. This is a time when um, you know logic and facts seemed to reign supreme. We were in the midst of the monoculture, right? This is before the internet 
completely fractured our reality. This is before, you know, I feel like recent political events have have demonstrated that many of our friends and family and neighbors uh, may not be completely rational actors. Uh, they would might, uh, in fact, li- want to live in a fantasy world uh, where um, what they believe about reality is true. Um, and I think maybe we could say that some that's true for all of us and to some extent, but um, for some people that goes as far as defying uh, what reality is is right in front of them. Regardless, um, during, in 2002, when this movie was released, there was there was this focus on uh, like you know facts don't care about your feelings. A list of like historical events was the best way for you to learn about history, right? And today we're a little bit more sensitive to like story and to you know telling kind of a narrative that it like grips people but i think that uh we were kind of uh drawing this line toward like logic would always be the the best way forward and if we just told people to write like these sense these things that they just knew the truth then they would their not minds would be changed and I don't think that we necessarily believe that as much anymore. Maybe that wasn't something that we necessarily believed back in 2002 as much. But I definitely feel like uh, today that is way less of the case, right? Famous science, I'm thinking like famous science guy, Neil deGrasse Tyson, is way more annoying today than he was <laughs> 10 years ago. And the reason isn't because necessarily that he's changed as much as we're just not that um, interested in uh the facts necessarily we're not so interested in him debunking our favorite movies uh because we uh we would rather just kind of uh, live in a world where we can uh emote and ha- like where feelings play a more important role and i think that this movie is trying to make a statement about our overemphasis on logic and reason as the only way forward right it's 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 making the most extreme case like what if there was no emotion what if there was no emotion what would our society look like right and i think you could say that what kurt wimmer has displayed here is probably not the only option but you uh, could say it's definitely the best not even a potential option uh, right but, <laughs> but it's it, it, what he's what he's showing here is not necessarily a possible future but simply a um you know if we let's say a reflection of our society, if emotion was erased from it, sure. and to show like uh, if we were to follow through with this, um, with this desire to only focus on logic and reason, where would that lead us to? And what what exactly is the role of emotion, or what do we value about emotion? And I think that this movie does a really good job of showing um, what those like what that value is. Not necessarily in like, oh, it's better than the logic and emotion, but a logic and reason side of our brains, but that it is this uh, undeniable and beautiful part of human experience and something that makes life worth living. We hear that from Mary, right? That uh, when when the person is interrogating her, she's asking him what he thinks... um, like hit the point of his life is if all it uh, all he does is uh, you know uh, perpetuate his own existence, and what she's touching on here is uh, a feature of absurdism, right? Albert Camus uh, talks about how absurd it is to be a human being and how uh, the universe doesn't care about you. Time uh, marches on without you. Nothing in your life uh, will matter, you know, in a, in a thousand years or even maybe even sooner than that. So it doesn't. Uh, 
what's the point of doing things? What's the point of of living like a meaningful life? And I think the solution to absurdism and one that seem, that Mary seems to be proposing is that uh, you know human emotion and joy and love those are our, the reasons for life. Those are the reasons why uh, we should brave the the absurdity of life and continue living. And um, I think that's a um, I think it's a beautiful thing to come to. I'm curious about how this movie explicitly states why emotion is good. Sure. Um, if we could play this quote right here and, and listen to Jurgen kind of talking about emotion. You know, I was like you. But the first thing you learn about emotion is that it has its price. Complete paradox. But without restraint, without control, emotion is chaos. But how is that different? The difference being is that when we want to feel, we can. It's just that some of us, some of us have to forego that luxury so that the rest can have it. Some very few of us have to force ourselves not to feel. Like me. Like you. So what is what is Jurgen getting at here? Because I feel like he's kind of circling an idea, but I, I'm kind of not getting it. Well, he's restating the purpose of Libria, right? He's like, Libria's uh, mission statement was that war, murder, anger, sorrow, uh, these were all symptoms of our ability to feel. And so if we repress that ability, then all of these other things just, you know, are solved. We, we've, we've solved the problem of, of evil, basically, because we no longer are capable of recognizing it, I suppose. Um, <laughs> the, this uh, is more of a compromise, right? What you're going to say is like, well, emotion uh, is this luxury that we um, that makes life beautiful, but it isn't actually uh, that useful in terms of governing our society. Um, so he's which, agreeing with the like government there. I, it seems like it. because he because Preston says, "How is that different?" And he says, "Well, the difference is that we can feel it when we want. We can feel when we want to." Um, but then he states it as a luxury, right? It is a, um, it is something that we, uh, can't afford to do all the time. It is something we have to, uh, do sparingly or control. Okay. So he's saying if you're in government, then you shouldn't feel emotion. I guess. (laughs) Okay. (laughs) It's also like, it's the reality that he's in as well. Right. It, it, regardless of whether or not he is um regardless of whether or not emotion here is a uh a, should be a part of Jurgen's ideal society in order to be a successful resistance he has to hide in plain sight and that means foregoing the luxury of emotion until the resistance is successful right uh, he his plan is to blow up all these prosium uh factories right um, it doesn't, I don't know if that's a, uh, uh, if his long-term goal is for some people to still be on prosium or if he's just saying that it needs to happen today. I don't gotcha. know. Okay. 
The other thing I want to talk about is, again, context of this movie coming out. In 2001, um, the ACLU put out a uh, article called The Drug War is the New Jim Crow. And I, I've, I was, I'm reading a book right now that talks about the drug war um, and what it was like in 1994 when the government was cracking down heavily on drug users. And what this, uh, what this looked like was a lot of people losing their civil liberties because they were suspected to be uh, doing drugs or, uh, or um, selling drugs or encouraging other people to do drugs. And this meant you know, civil forfeiture of people's houses, of their property. Um, it, it meant you know, a, a felony charge, even time in jail. And uh, a lot of this was done as simple fear tactics in order to keep people from doing what they wanted to do. Now you could now this movie also unintentionally I think uh, also mirrors the war on terror, which served a similar purpose in that uh, you know we have this enemy that is cruel and uh, wants you to be killed, and uh, they're everywhere, and we don't know who's a part of it, um, and they could be any around any corner threatening you or your family, and so that's why you need to sacrifice some of your uh, freedoms to the government, and ha- and we'll take care of it for you. Um, this movie certainly it takes that to the extreme of, in terms of fascist, a fascist totalitarian regime, but we see plenty of what look like SWAT teams raiding houses uh, for the express version, uh, reason of protecting society, right? What I think is very interesting about this is what this movie seems to be implying is that normal brain chemistry, quote unquote normal brain chemistry, is a social construct. The great crime of the people in uh, equilibrium is that they're not doing drugs, whereas <laughs> the people who are inside of Libria are doing drugs, right? Psychoactive chemicals um, play a huge role in the shaping of our society. Uh, they've been around for thousands of years in some cases. And um, you, what we describe as a illegal drug or illicit drug is largely up to whatever government is currently controlling you know your life so um i think it's i think this is a really interesting parallel to draw here about how the people in uh equilibrium uh, are free because they have uh they because they are um, their brain chemistry is different and what, what's really going on here both in the war on drugs and in equilibrium is the government is uh prescribing or enforcing a certain brain chemistry and that is what you need to be thinking about this you can take this another step and say things like coffee or um, ritalin or you know other um, stimulants uh, can uh, are seen as necessary or um, what's what i'm thinking of, of attractive to people because it makes you a more productive member of society and in fact, these are these are in fact psychoactive substances that change your brain chemistry. But these are good. These are the good ones because they uh, help you be a, a, a you know conform better to what we desire as uh, or see as desirable traits in our society. So again, like uh, brain chemistry or what you decide as a, you know a appropriate brain chemistry is completely up to uh, the your material conditions in effect. 
Yeah, I feel like that's a conversation we're not we're not ready for in this country, although we might be getting closer to it with right. research in psychedelics and just kind of what is possible for us to do inside our own mind. I think a lot of people are quick to get on board with it when they hear it's a recovery method for people with PTSD, especially for veterans. But when you talk about it just being a thing that a normal person could engage in for self-exploration or you know anything besides explicit like direct medical application yeah. it people start getting a little bit weary of that that's yeah they're thinking whoa hold on now we're this isn't woodstock you shouldn't be you know going in there and being a total psychonaut even though that's a that's a field of of research that has been i think really interesting to me for for a long time and hopefully in our lifetime we'll see that up, like explored more and and hopefully normalized to the point where yeah people are able to make the distinction and say hey just because the government said this was bad in the 60s doesn't mean that i have to agree with that and and that it has to stay that way forever yeah this is a this is a depending on how you look at it this is uh could be very frustrating or very enlightening uh to think of this time period as simply a small pocket in the long history of human society where a lot of these like even more explicit psychoactive drugs like LSD or peyote are um were just a part of normal life and we're not there was no legal or illegal designation of them they were just available to people um you know, opium for example has been in our society for 5000 years um and human like like normal human civilization that we like as we consider today with like agriculture has been around for only 12,000 years. So literally half of our like span as a species like as a like civilization building species has been alongside opium. Um not saying that like <laughs> heroin is good. Uh, what I'm saying is like this <laughs> well, is that's a- what I'm hearing. <laughs> <laughs> Go out and get some. Uh what I'm saying is like uh you know the the legal like the legal uh, status of a drug is has nothing to do with whether or not it has it is a um uh like it's it's harm to a society as much as it is a harm to a government's ability to control you. Yeah, kind of. It seems like that should be really easy to suss out from this. Um, <laughs> I'm glad we talked about it because yeah, I do think that that's pretty provocative. All right, it's it's time for our cool Easter eggs, and uh, Joey, what have you got? The kendo-style swords that are used in the sparring scene were designed specifically for the film and were turned are turned wood, which broke quite easily during filming because Christian Bale and Tay Diggs were really whacking each other with them. Um, I got I got all of these from uh, IMDb, by the way. Okay, uh, so I thought that was pretty fun that they invented <laughs> the little swords to for them to fight each other with, <laughs> um, basically just for this. Um, the tetragrammaton, uh, which is which translates to word with four letters, is actually a word used in Judaism to reference the name of God, uh, as in uh, YH WH Yahweh. Um, so this was uh, another um, reference to religion or faith in this movie yeah i think tetragrammaton is a really cool word do you're talking about like inventing sci-fi words i felt like sense offender was lacking i i could have used a better word for that sense offender made me like 
it made me feel like uh, it had something to do with farting. Like somebody, <laughs> <laughs> my senses are offended. You, know, you, <laughs> you are the sense offender. You know, uh, although you know they always say, "Hey, who uh, senses it, it?" Is the sense offender? <laughs> <laughs> who is who is sensed offended it? <laughs> Yeah, but I couldn't come up with a really good replacement. My best effort was emoticon because Ooh. it's an emotional convict. You know, there's like the Ill- <laughs> being illegal for, for emotions. Yeah, yeah, that's good. Or you could just call them emos. Like yeah. there, there goes emos. an emo. That guy's being an emo. Yeah, it would be good to have like some slang thrown in there. I feel like sense offender felt um, appropriately bureaucratic. Sure. Uh, so uh, I I I thought that was okay. It, it's it doesn't doesn't have a ring to it, which is like on purpose. This is an emotionless society. Oh come on, tetragrammaton. That has yeah, a ring. Those are the to cool it. guys who wear robes or <laughs> carry two guns that, that sling out of their their, their arms. <laughs> oh. um, I th- my favorite fact about this movie is that it w- had a budget of twenty million dollars and it grossed five point three million. <laughs> Wow. (laughs) Very, uh, yeah. This is a bomb, folks. Yes. A stinker. (laughs) And that, there was like something more complex to it, right? Where like it made some sort of money internationally and they realized it was going to be a bomb. So then like they didn't promote it as much stateside. So there's, there's definitely equilibrium apologists that say if this movie had a fair chance, it could have been a hit. Well, you know, you know, this is like, you know, this is a controversial one or maybe just, uh, you know, a fan favorite for, for Joey, because um, <laughs> this Wikipedia article is very short and it doesn't even have a cult following section uh, <laughs> like so many others do. So, <laughs> yeah, that was the thing is like, I came away from this movie. Obviously, at this point, I've gotten my like uh, opinions out and I was like, yeah, man, this movie was not very good. Uh, let's go see what the rest of the Internet thinks. And everyone I found loves this movie that's like <laughs> because they're the only ones talking about it is the people that's who right. love it that's and right. the other thing was i've never seen so many youtuber react videos to any of the movies we've done really? when i was when i was looking up this movie it was a bunch of people like i've never seen this movie before but y'all requested it so i'm gonna watch it and it's like their face in the bottom right and it's like <laughs> they take the movie and make it 30 <laughs> minutes long but they're like oh i wouldn't have done that you know <laughs> no he's he's got to turn the shotgun around on him oh that that's gonna hurt you know that kind of thing like i didn't know we could do that i didn't know that was me neither. i didn't know that would get taken down but maybe just nobody cares because it's equilibrium we they don't have the legal budget to come after you for copyright infringement <laughs> kurt, yeah. uh, kurt wimmer is still in his backyard inventing his next form of martial arts yeah. too busy to watch uh to take down uh, copy strike people on youtube <laughs> uh Okay, well, I think that is going to bring us to the end of our conversation on Equilibrium. And as we do at the end of every episode of Apple Chat, we'll now deliver our ratings. I'm going to go first on this one. Okay. I'm going to give this movie a tab of acid for everyone still using Prosium, and that should get them back to baseline pretty quick. I think they'll cancel out, <laughs> and you'll just go back to being in the middle. <laughs> Hilarious. What about you, Joey? Um, I would like this movie to be displayed on blimps and public spaces everywhere constantly. Yeah. Uh, you know, uh, you know, just as a, a kind of general, like, <laughs> set the general tone of, of how a society should run. 
But if they line up a bunch of long benches in the middle of the public square, I'll certainly yeah, yeah. go take my seat in a line of people wearing the same. <laughs> and watch color the clothes. hologram of a uh, of a uh, father talking about this movie. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Well, um, there you have it. Equilibrium. Fantastic. Um, we did it. Yeah, we did it. Uh, what's What's coming up next on Apple Chat? Next, we're doing Wonka, the long anticipated prequel to Willy Wonka. I guess. Charlie and Chocolate Factory? Yeah, whatever. It better Tom- be Timoth- related to Timothy- the other ones in some way besides just Timothy being a Chandler. reboot. Because I only want to watch sequels and prequels. That's the only thing I, um, that will get me to the theater. Yeah, there better be a uh, part where they explain why Grandpa Joe is so lazy. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> they better explain where he got his hat, where yeah. he got his cane, where he got the They are going to explain where he gets the Oopaloompas from. That <laughs> is like, I think that is a major part of the movie. Yes, good. Because that was <laughs> why was... he likes candy. <laughs> yeah. No, why he likes gold. Why, why he, he likes, likes golden children. tickets. <laughs> awesome. Wow. Yep. I can't wait for that. And that's, I mean, not that anybody should trust anything that we say at this portion of the show ever, <laughs> but that should finish up the Alpha Chat calendar for 2023. So That's anything right. else you get is going to be bonus content. I mean, at this point, you're bonus. going to be hearing this until January, probably. <laughs> Hopefully yes. that's it's, not it true. Is, it is November 30th right now. <laughs> Hopefully that's not true, but you never know. So, yeah. Uh, yeah. You can subscribe to us on iTunes, Spotify, Google Play, or wherever you get your podcasts. Applechat.com is your favorite website on the internet. Uh, yeah. it, it's it's also the most frequently updated website on the internet by far. It's true. So you can find the latest from us there and all our social media accounts. And our email address is applechat at gmail.com. If you like this episode, then tell a friend about it. All you have to say is, what? You've been listening to Apple Chat? <laughs> but, but podcast, that, that's a sense offense. I'm reporting <laughs> you for processing. That's going to do it for this episode. For Apple Chat, I'm Benjamin. And I'm Joey. Thanks for listening.